OTB AM setting you up for the day ahead. Luton is an easy is an easy name to say. This is what was just happening in the studio here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I know people who have flown into Luton. OTB AM live weekday mornings from seven thirty on the OTB Sports app. The news round on off the ball with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Hello folks, you're very welcome along. Monday evenings off the ball. So much going on. We'll be talking Gaelic football with Colin Boyle this hour. Ulster final delivered. Dublin beating led by 21 points. Not quite managing to quicken the pulse, it must be said. But uh, Derry, 3-1 on Penos is one of those sentences you didn't think you'd be saying. But Colin Boyle will be with us to discuss all at half past seven. Monday Night Rugby, Gordon Darcy, Rory O'Connor on the way. Munster, welcome back. It has been a while. They are into a URC final. Uh, Leinster, of course, facing into a European Cup final all of their own. So Gordon Darcy, Rory O'Connor after eight o'clock. And the football show will feature the dulcet tones of one Pat Nevin as Arsenal once and for all bow out of the title race. 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richard McCormick, evening. Hello, sir. How are you, Joe? You well? Uh, Very well. Very well. Arthur O'Dee, not of the New York Times, but has featured in the New York Times, is with us in studio. He doesn't like to mention it. Hello, Arthur. Hi, Joe. <laughs> uh, so, plenty going on. Uh, Derry 3-1 on Penos. Were you found in the penalty shootout? Did you, did uh, you rock your boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, I'd have taken a replay, for sure. Do you know sure, the only uh, thing that I'm does? Okay two things bother me. Afterwards, Kieran Whelan saying it's not a part of our game. Mm. It's like penalties are a part of the game. I know what he means in the shootout, but like the the notion of hitting the penalty is part of the game. Yeah. Also, they're just uh, look. It doesn't look right. Oh, it doesn't look right. Not quite. It's still. It seems too far out or something. It just doesn't. It looks more difficult. I don't know if it is or not. Well, I, yeah, sorry, I, it's way more difficult. Yeah. The goals are so small. So that's the only thing that unsettles me a bit about it. Back in the day, when I, I was a bit penalty taker for uh, yeah. respective soccer team and, and GA team, and uh, the GA penalty felt like a bad joke. It yeah. used to be even further out. But like the soccer penalties are easy. Like the goal is just so big. But a GA goal? No, it's no joke. I mean, the uh, Jersey class was, uh, clash was... Oh, the, yeah. Speaking of things... Oh, <laughs> Speaking of things that don't, don't look right. Even. That, who, who, like... We talk about different bits and pieces and there's different aspects of the GEA where we can kind of... We can, we've pulled them up and said, listen, this needs to improve, that needs to improve. Little things like that are what makes it look so bush league at yeah. times where you have... Because like, who was it was talking on the show last week about the floating viewer? People who'd be flicking through the channels. It was, uh, Malachy Clerkin was talking about people who might flick through the channels and come across a game and decide to stay there. And God knows how many people listening tonight have probably come across their favourite sport while they were flicking through as a child and landed on, you know, tennis or golf or GEA or, or soccer or whatever it is. Who would have flicked through essay, looked at that and just gone... Oh, God, it's giving me a headache. I had to tell herself that there was actually two teams on the pitch. She was looking at it initially. She was like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, And then you have to squint and see the white stripe. It's just lunacy and just rank amateurism. In sporting terms, it was a tragedy. It was (laughs) a disgrace. Like it was an abomination. It was just so bad. This is an organisation that's pioneering their own streaming service, much to the annoyance of its members, (laughs) but they can't organise a game with jerseys of a different colour. But why? This must have been flagged well in advance. I don't know. Is it just no one was told? Or is no like? Is there not a designated home and away? That is Derry's home jersey. It is now, yeah. 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 I felt like they, they, cha- they, they changed more it for, years for a long time, didn't they? 
They did. They changed it okay. a few years back. It used so, to be. Um, it's like it's like it's like Wexford, which vacillates between yeah, top and bottom being purple and, and gold and so like that. Yeah. Is there like a GA traditional like stubbornness? Well, we're not changing our jersey. Whereas was, was anyone asked to change a jersey? I don't. That's know. what I'd be interested about because they must play somewhat regularly enough. Yeah. That this can and this doesn't happen. Maybe it does happen all the time, but it's just not in in a final. Yeah. But um, and it would depend on your TV. So I was streaming the game on my laptop here, where it's. 10 inches from oh, my face that's, that's and, 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 no no the, on the RT player so it was it was resolutely clear and that the laptop did a really good you know very close to it and, I, and actually it wasn't an issue there but honestly it got in, better as the game went on and the sun set by the way it in, got easier well, once the sun was off their backs which is just again, stupid talk yeah, about true. you know crumbs of comfort but honestly on the studio television inside yesterday in the news talk yeah, studio yeah, yeah. I actually couldn't tell who was who no it was uh, very annoying but um Penalties it was. We will uh, talk to Colin Boyle at uh, this hour. Obviously, Dublin being allowed by 21 points did not quite uh, tell us a whole heap. So that's Kerry and Galway who won their provincial finals by 14 points each. And now Dublin went and put 21 points on uh, Loud. So uh, you have, I would say, you're about a year behind me in that I, you started listening to Simon Jordan on TalkSport ironically at first. <laughs> oh, God. And then he gets under your skin. No, it does. So oh, a year ago, I sat there, 10 a.m., Jim White, and it, like, it, there was a fair degree of snobbiness on that. I was like, yeah, listen yeah, to this yeah. dire stuff. And I listened ironically. And I don't know, somewhere around the six-month mark, I live and die by what Simon Jordan has to say next. And uh, I think you're on a similar uh, route at the moment. So I tuned in this morning. Oh, uh, God. Graham Souness, I think, has just got fed up of being shouted at by Simon Jordan. So he has yeah, bowed out of no. the Monday show. So generally, it's like Danny Murphy or, uh, in this instance, Martin Keown. Who, who Keown was on, yeah. Yeah, gets <laughs> shouted at by uh, yeah. Simon Jordan. Uh, Keown's an interesting case because it gets really personal with him and Jordan. It yeah. gets nasty in a way that it hasn't with the others. And Jordan will often, even when Keown's not there, if he's in it, like a debate with someone will say, well, at least you're answering, not like Keown who just can't get off a fence. You know, you just throw these things in uh, routinely. So Keown was in today and like out of nowhere, he tends to get dragged into the controversy as opposed to instigating it. But out of nowhere, uh, Keown was talking about the game yesterday on Sky Sports. Have a listen. The Sky commentary yesterday, how biased is, is, is the commentary team? It's frightening. I, I, as much as they're great, oh, hang on. What Ryan Tyler is a great professional, but he cannot hide that he just he simply doesn't. It hurts him that Arsenal might win a game of football. Martin Tyler, it hurts Martin oh, Tyler honestly. that Arsenal win a game. We of know football. that Neville. We know that Neville's got the problem. He was almost apologising for. I've <laughs> lost my mind when I, we should be sending Martinelli off. Uh, no, 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 you know, not at all. You go with your instinct. So there we are. As a poke in the eye to a commentator, I should be more respectful. Martin's a great commentator, but please, Sky, don't put him on the Arsenal games anymore. It's really hard. Listen, <laughs> Gary Neville's bias. But we talked about relevant. it. We it's talked about, about it off air before we came on air. So certain Arsenal people pushed me to, to say it. I didn't really want to come here with Nobody that. Nobody pushed you to but, say it. You but, said it, Martin. You, pos- you, you, you positively lassoed it. me out there to ask me. Did I yeah. think Martin Tyler and Gary? Well, Neville, is he? I think, I think you tell me. Tell me then. Get the Arsenal fans. They've got to listen to it. There's only sixty thousand in the stadium, but most of us, there's millions of us listening at home. Ask them what they think. What you think he's anti-Arsenal? Yes, I do. Get All right, it, let's get it out there. Come on. <laughs> Certain people pushed me to say it. You made me say it, Jim. I love the little bit uh, of the end. Just get it out there as if I know it is being clipped. <laughs> it's great stuff. He blamed Jim White for making him say it. And yeah. uh, But he stuck by it, you know, and uh, 
things got very nasty. Like, so I, you know, he, he, he people made me say it. So he doesn't want to get involved. But then when he does, it gets like personal. So the the best, obviously, I wasn't turning off at that stage. No, no, you're in. Of the whole hour, then, Danny Mills tweeted, like Danny Mills tweeted in. He was out walking. Always his great dog. input. Yeah, well, he was out walking his dog, <laughs> and so. Weirdly, he went down a different route of like, you know, typical Arsenal flapping under pressure. And he said, think back to 03, Viduka bullied you, Martin. <laughs> Just, uh, OK. Yeah. So Jim White, like, you know, frothing at them out. Couldn't get this out quickly enough. And uh, Martin Keown said, sorry, who said that? A, a listener? He's like, no, no. Danny Mills said it. <laughs> walking the dog. <laughs> and Keown said, uh, oh, Danny Mills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our finest ever right backs. <laughs> I mean, you see, this is what I love about it because they have all those guys on. Oof. They're all there. They're all listening. They're all ready to tune in or chime in. Yeah. Whatever the situation. Nah, is. it's great stuff. It is. No, it is. It, it's like, but <laughs> I love that that Keown, that side of him that comes across there. Is so, as you're kind of like the personal element of it, like it's just so raw. It's, it's just like it's raw. You could say anything. But uh, on Martin Tyler, yeah. I think I'm right in saying, Rich, it's the Liverpool fans oh, yes. oh, say, God. Like that Tyler is the one who's biased against them. And there's, in fairness, he's very talented. There's a guy online. There's always a guy online somewhere doing something. Uh, there's a guy <laughs> online who uh, mimes the Martin Tyler commentary. Oh, yeah, 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 And so he, he captures Tyler's tone of voice, which, to be fair, regardless of who's scoring, is not excitable. I love Martin Tyler, by the way. I think he's yep. the best commentator of my lifetime. You know, he's so good. But he will <sighs> mime to Tyler's commentary when Liverpool score, but like will be throwing his hands up in disgust and shaking his ha- head saying, Salah again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was Liverpool fans, I'd always thought, had the vendetta against Tyler as biased. I think yeah. that wasn't the general suggestion... Tyler supports United. That, yeah, like, yeah. loves United. That's the Aguero man loves United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Woking fan. I think that's his club. Woking is. Yeah. I, I think he's it probably is, yeah. pretty involved with, with Woking. Like the thing about Tyler is, and a lot of people kind of go, "Oh, he doesn't get excited about you know goals or instances anymore." He's seventy-seven years of age mm. and does two to three games a week. If he's not on Sky, by the way, he's usually doing Premier League World Feed stuff, which goes out to you know all manner of territories. Um, he's hungry he, enough like, again. He? He's still hungry he, enough. He, Martin he's, he's still, but he's seventy-seven. <laughs> like no one's voice is the same. And as you mentioned there, he can't get to the same pitch of excitement that he did twenty, thirty years ago. And we all think of that Martin Tyler alongside Andy Gray thirty years ago. Like that's that's you know where his peak was, and yeah. I don't know if it's fair to to kind of compare Martin Tyler now to Martin Tyler of yore because like nobody at seventy seven years of age sit back and enjoy your retirement, mate. Just you know have have some have some have some family time. Don't be I, out there I, two three games a week traveling. Well, yeah, that's uh, from his perspective. Yeah, I'd keep him in there from mine though. Happily yeah. have Martin Tyler in a game still. Aguero was eleven years ago. Yeah, mm. twenty twelve. He gave it. Yeah, socks that day. Yeah. Ah, uh, like that's like that's just what I suppose that just these things build themselves up and become self-perpetuating almost. Oh, it's nonsense. Yeah, it gets nonsense. Trivia question: Who was the co-commentator on the day of the Aguero? Do you know I was on a train? I wasn't watching the match. Yeah, but you may have seen the clip since. Uh, once or twice. Um, does anyone else talk? That's what I mean. Oh, there wait a minute. Wait. There. It uh, is the it is the most. Niall uh, Quinn. Correct. Yeah. Well, I, I don't remember that. Only a New York Times uh, contributor yeah, 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 would yeah. be able to pull that one out from... I'd heard of that. I don't, yes. I, I don't remember him on it, though. It goes down as 
the most generous piece of broadcasting, I would say. Because I think other co-coms yeah, yeah, yeah. would have jumped right all over that moment. And Quinn had the good grace to say, Martin, take it away. Maybe that's not what, maybe that's why we've not heard much of Niall Quinn co-commentator since. Well, maybe, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it was, uh, I thought kudos to Quinn in that commentary clip. Because I, I remember, I was, what was it? Did Bruyne's goal last week for City in the in the Champions League? Andy Townsend, I think, it was on the live score stream of it. I was watching, right? And he jumps right across. Yeah. I can't remember who was doing the main one, but he jumps with an or, almost orgasmic oh in there, Gary Neville esque, yeah, uh, with the with the manner of the strike. And you just need to, if you're a co-cam, sit back, let the boss man have it. And if Kenny Cunningham is listening, we are doing uh, West Ham and Leeds together on Sunday. So just bear that in mind. Let Richie have his moment. Yeah, exactly. In Give that. me my Aguero moment as Leeds go down. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. So let's get into it then. There are games this evening, uh, both domestically and Premier League, Richie. Surely are, yeah. SSE or Tristy Premier Division leader Shamrock Rovers are looking to extend their unbeaten run to 13 matches tonight. They welcome Dublin rival St. Pat's to Tallis Stadium. Lee Grace replaces Sean Hoare in the Rovers' defence. Jack Byrne is restored to their midfield, along with Richie Tell and Neil Frugge and Rory Gaffney come into their front line. Interim Pats boss John Daly brings in Tom Gravoski. Jason McClelland and Owen Doyle following Friday's win at Drogheda. Meanwhile, second place fourth at the Ryan McBride Brandywell. Derry City host Dundalk into the Derry starting 11. Come Ronan Boyce, Jordan McAneff, Brandon and Kean Kavanagh. Liverpool, meanwhile, looking to keep the pressure on the top four with games running out in the Premier League. Jurgen Klopp's side go to relegation threatened Leicester tonight. Johnny Evans makes a first start for Leicester since October. He's had plenty of calf injuries uh, since then. Uh, also into their team uh, comes James Vardy. Allison starts up front for Liverpool uh, back four although midfielder of course right back in Trent Alexander-Arnold Ibrahim Akinade Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson a midfield trio of Fabinho Jordan Henderson and Curtis Jones Luis Diaz Mo Salah and Cody Gakpo are there front three kickoff at the King Power is at Ocho o'clock Anonymous text in shorts were different colour I (laughs) I don't think that fixed much (laughs) I mean when you're explaining and that's your main argument in favour of what happened you're losing I think and Ken says Kildare under 20s goalkeeper played in a bib in the All-Ireland final because they didn't know what colour Sligo would play in which is interesting I, would, I mean I, fair enough 20s level but senior yeah, level I, I think know what should be arranged in advance I don't know what other colour Sligo say, would you have you say 20s in. level you say 20s level like it, it, it's still like a major inter-county I, competition I, I'm being very generous like, <laughs> that's, sh- shouldn't be playing oh. in a bib <laughs> it shouldn't be in a bit. He's, all he's short of doing is putting on a tracksuit top and just say, oh, let's crack yes. on that. It's what's what's this New York Times business? Well, Arthur uh, Who asked you that? has literally written the book <laughs> on Limerick Curly. Nobody asked you that. And uh, he was quoted in a piece in the New York Times on Limerick Curly, where they referred uh, to County Offaly as Offaly County. Well, there are certain stylistic did, guys. Yeah, it's different, yeah. Beaten by Offaly County in the 1994 have you ever seen that uh, that pedant on Twitter, the kind of with the grammatical stuff? It's like New York typos or New York Times typos. He's just he's a, he's a guy. He's definitely been interviewed somewhere. Okay, but he just like will go through everything that's put out and find like it's incredible the array of oh, errors really? that are there. There's a guy who uh, I must give him his dues actually because I, I I suspect he's wondering if I've ever seen his letters. Uh, he will write me, handwrite Laurel. me. <laughs> well, you know this. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he will handwrite me a letter, oh, I don't know, every six months. 
and uh, to his credit now like avid listeners so listening yeah. now and it's it's not um, it's not with hostility I say this it's um, oh thank God just come up but with fear uh, fear <laughs> he will write me a letter with all of my grammatical errors from the previous six months <laughs> laid out and corrected <laughs> in ballpoint pen green ballpoint pen my I must give him a, a ring something he puts his number on it as well and uh you know, I, I make my fair share of grammatical yeah, yeah, errors yeah, yeah. talking live. It's easily done as opposed to having the time to uh, reflect on a written piece. Yeah, that could go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it really could go either way. It could be fascinating. Um, it was worth I mean, yeah, you'll, uh, you'll die wondering. Every six months, I get the, yeah. the full shebang. So um, I must, I should keep it actually and read out my mistakes. Some absolute, absolute doozies in there. Like I'd be mortified oh, reading yeah. it on oh, can't believe I said that. It's amazing what happens, you know. It's harsh, though. It is. You're not talking. It is. Of course, it's harsh. Kind of colloquial elements to it and everything, and it's not as straightforward as writing down. It's a. It's amazing. Sometimes it does tend to arise more so when you're tired. Your misspeaks. Is that chronically correct? <laughs> your misspoken words. Find out in six months. I will. And it's only after you listen back to yourself and you think, "How did I? Miss, how did I say that?" There was one. I was listening back to chat with Pat Nevin from a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold's move into midfield and so I said we'll turn to Anfield Pat Pep Guardiola he's looked at Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's moved him into midfield and it wouldn't have occurred to me at all I had said Pep Guardiola instead of Jurgen Klopp Oh that's a harsh mistake now that's not even a grammatical he's just that's picking just up those kind of errors No no I picked that one up Oh sorry okay but No like, he, he hits me with grammar Okay because if it's just slips of the tongue, then that's, that's yeah. incredibly well, Slips Irish. of the tongue are even interesting. And it's funny that you listen to it and you're like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. But there you go. Yeah. I often find listening to those things when you hear it, if you're listening to a podcast or whatever, and that type of mistake is made where you hear it mm. and they don't pick up on it. I'm like, I wonder how long it'll be now. Are they going to acknowledge it? Will they come back to it? Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. they don't, you know. But that's... Uh, let it go, I think. Let it go. Uh, we will be talking to Gordon Darcy, Roy O'Connor after eight o'clock, reflecting on brilliant win for Munster. I mean, it was uh, welcome back Munster, kind of a vibe to the Aviva Stadium. And there is team news. Leinster had press conferences uh, today, I think, or press conference today, Richie, Stuart Lancaster speaking. Yeah. So good news on the left wing front. <clears throat> Yeah, there is. James Lowe could return to the Leinster side for Saturday's Heineken Champions Cup final with La Rochelle. The Ireland winger has been out with a calf injury since the quarterfinal win over Leicester. Scott Penny is also back in the mix, having completed return to play protocols. But Will Connors is out with a head injury of his own. Win, lose or draw, Saturday will be Stuart Lancaster's final game with Leinster before he takes over at Racing 92. He was asked today how Leinster could pick themselves up after that Munster defeat. Well, you've got to get from what's the problem to what's the solution as quickly as you can. Um, and... Uh, so obviously, you know, the first thing you do in the change room is address, you know, initial feelings and try and give them some form of um, understanding about what happened and why it happened, and and but also some clarity of what's going to come next. So um, the review is important, you know, how you uh, construct the review as a coach, how you um, put the analysis together to give them solutions as to what happened. You know, reflecting on the positive parts of the game it was an amazing game of rugby, wasn't it? I mean, you know, when, to to be there. You know, to go 44 minutes ball in play, two great teams going at it. Um, so it's not dwelling on all the negatives, it's making sure you draw the, the broad lessons out of what we can do better and then applying it into, obviously, which is a, uh, this week, which is a huge week for us. Um, I think we, you know, we sumo as well. We have the phrase sumo, shut up, move on. And you have to, you have to put that away. You have to put it to bed and um, 
you can't drag it around because um, if you spend all your time looking backwards, then you can't see what's coming in front of you and there's a big, big chance coming this weekend. There sure is. So we chatted to Rory and Gordon earlier on. They both are tipping La Rochelle to beat Leinster. Yeah. Although Gordon said my head says La Rochelle, but my heart says Leinster and I'm going with my heart. But frankly, I'll be honest. Who makes that decision? Yeah, I think I'm going to listen more to his head. And uh, Rory said very hard to call, but slightly leaning towards La Rochelle. So uh, it's going to be an amazing final. Strange to think we're in the final week of Johnny Sexton at Leinster. I know he's been injured, so it kind of feels like he's gone a bit anyway. But final week of the Sexton-Lancaster era. Potentially Stuart Lancaster's last Leinster press conference there. How will you remember it? It is like the most scoreboardy journalism thing yeah. to say, but I think it will be defined by Saturday. If they win on Saturday, then you remember it as consistency, very fruitful, two European Cups, uh, a golden era. If they don't win, you remember it as consistent excellence and didn't win what they should have and for some reason fell at the crucial stages. And the uncharitable thing to say about the team is when, you know, they got a rare punch in the face to paraphrase Mike Tyson. They, they didn't respond in those bigger games. And so a sense of underachievement by the standards that they set for the majority of the season. That's more a reflection on Lancaster than Sexton, though, presumably. I mean, his career has been overall as a whole. Like I know oh, the last sex- year, but Sexton as a whole is, is kind of, Sorry. it's nothing. But for Lancaster, this is kind of... The, the Lancaster era, I suppose. Yeah, okay. that, you know, from 2018, obviously Sexton predates that by yeah. a considerable period, not least in... In 09. Ah, Sexton, Leinster, I mean. When he was there, they were off the charts good. When he went to Racing, they lost their way a bit and came back and he straightened them out. I mean, he's beyond legendary. He's like the the cultural driving force probably of any player in there. I know like Leo Cullen and Shane Jennings are credited with changing things when they come back from Leicester in a big way. And Cheka gets his dues massively on that front as well. But I think in terms of day in, day out, excellence. Johnny Sexton's probably they all point to him as being a cut above so I don't know Do you think they'll drop with him gone? Even say maybe if you're speaking that way yeah, there's going to be a drop but it, will it a perceptible drop I do I do yeah <coughs> I think um, James Ryan was speaking a, maybe a year ago there was some landmark you know there's at Sexton's age there's a landmark every month and so they get asked about him and he was talking in the context of Sexton so only meant it as a good thing but he said even in training when he's there, everybody's better. Yeah. And through that prism, you say, God, Sexton's amazing. But through the post-Sexton era prism, you would say, well, that doesn't sound good. No. So, yeah, I think there'll be a drop. I think um, they'll always be competitive and they're so far ahead of most in the URC that they'll they'll still win things. But um, yeah, you'd be, you'd be worried in his absence because he's just so influential. Well, that makes, I suppose, the timing of Munster's win all the more interesting. Yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of they have reduced the gap somewhat, even on whatever small way. Obviously, yeah. they're nowhere close, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's uh, Going in the right direction and yeah. maybe, maybe Leinster coming back a touch, yeah. So, Richie, um, <coughs> Nicola Gallagher was interviewed in the Sunday Independent yesterday. And as part of that interview, I suppose maybe the most newsworthy aspect of that interview, she said that her father, Jerry, had sent an email to the Derry County Board to outline the alleged abuse against his daughter and Mm. that Fermanagh County Board had been informed 
as well of the situation and in their eyes had failed to act, failed to do anything. So both county boards have responded in just the last couple of hours. Yeah, the last 24 hours for Manor GEA say they never received any official complaint about Rory Gallagher while he was in charge there. In that interview at the Sunday Independent, his estranged wife Nicola claimed both for Manor and Derry knew of the domestic abuse she alleged in a social media post last week. Gallagher stepped back from the Derry manager's job on Friday night saying he was doing so to protect their children. In a statement, he said the allegations were dealt with at the time by the relevant authorities. Derry too say they were unaware of these allegations until they emerged last week. Okay, we'll um, touch on that story in a few moments' time. Uh, You have detail on the football side of things for Derry? Yeah, without Gallagher, Derry secured back-to-back Ulster titles yesterday. They beat Armagh on penalties after the sides finished level in Clonus. Derry's win means they go into Group 4 of the All-Ireland Championship, along with Monaghan, Donegal and Clare. Armagh drop into Group 2, their opening game against Westmead at the end of this month. They will also play Galway and Tyrone. Elsewhere yesterday, Dublin's 13th consecutive Leinster title came via a 5.21 to 15-point hammering of Louth at Crow Park. Speaking afterwards, Dublin manager Desi Farrell says the provincial system needs addressing urgently. The GA won't need me to tell them this of course, you know, I've been for years I've been um, banging that particular drum and um, look at it, I get it, it's quite political and um, provincial councils um, have been established a long time and feel they have a role and responsibility and that their contribution is important to the GA and uh, and while that is, is definitely the case, I think it's probably time to really have a, a proper review of the competition and and see the, what, who does this benefit these big big um, big wins or big discrepancies between teams and uh, is there is there a better mixture you know so my tune hasn't changed on that um, in a number of years but this year is slightly different in terms of we're now going to see step into the real competition, I think, and um, and that's going to be very interesting and very exciting. So it's it's hard to accommodate everybody. I get that, and uh, and I'm sure it's very much on the GA and the Central Council and Congress's own radar in terms of what what to do with the provincial competitions, and it's something I'm sure they're going to look at. Yeah, it's um, tricky, Richie, because obviously 21 mm. point defeat, 14 point defeat in Ulster, in uh, Munster, 14 point defeat. In Connacht, I guess Connacht is a bit more alive when Galway and Mayo come into <coughs> contact. But uh, Munster feels in serious trouble. Leinster dead as a doornail, and yet text in says, "Lads, worth saying as well." Ulster final was a fantastic occasion, you know, and yeah. it really was. So, what do you do when two and a half of the provinces are on life support, if not dead, and yet the Ulster Championship is thriving? And I suspect none of those counties would want to see it go. I, I don't. I don't really know uh, what you do on that front. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think there is an easy solution um, because there's so many different um, parents to these problems. Um, we talked about it before when we were speaking about Mead and and they're dropping to the Talchin Cup and that they probably haven't harnessed the the population surge that has been in that county. There are other counties within Leinster that in different ways haven't necessarily helped their their uh, senior football sides along the way, and yet Dublin. Uh, are obviously uh, reaping the benefits of their massive, massive uh, population uh, of the funding that they have in place and all of the other natural benefits that come from being a capital city. Like there is, I don't think there's any saving the the Leinster Championship, barring a complete collapse of 
just unimaginable calamitous proportions in Dublin. Um, that's the only thing that would level the playing field there. Uh, so that certainly needs addressing. Whether it needs addressing in isolation, I don't know. And like, because Connacht is so small in in relative in, in comparative terms. Uh, similarly, probably Munster too, and then Ulster's competitive. Like, I, I don't know if there's a quick fix. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't. I don't think there's even a slow fix uh, to this one. To be honest with you, I, I think they probably need to, in general, <clears throat> rehouse the the provincial championships and maybe decouple them uh, one for once and for all from the All Ireland championships. Um, like let them have them be their own thing. Mm. Um, similar to the Mick Foley, like I don't know if you read Mick Foley's piece yesterday in, in the in the in in the papers. He was saying about perhaps the uh, and it seems so glaringly obvious. Perhaps the 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 solution for hurling zills, like why is it still married to the football championship in terms of timing? It's it's those kind of things that maybe you kind of need to think of the the bigger outside the box kind of thoughts, especially to do with the provincial championships because Leinster can't keep going like this because there's no point to it. Like, yeah. who would want to show up? And and ultimately, it's the counties that are going to suffer because nobody's going to want to go to the matches because the matches serve no purpose and if they serve no outcome, only to you know add another trophy to Dublin's groaning cabinet. Yeah, what's the point in going? Yeah, uh, thirteen in a row. Who'll forget it? Um, we are out of time. Thank you very much. Nice no, enough.